Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host. Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life and Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Demi. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stops, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. As the intro said, my name is Anthony Denmark. Denmark like the country. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans of all ages, can you believe we have 193 days until week one of the college football season? And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I don't know about you, but I'm more than happy that you are happy to see that time is not stopping. With each hour, with each second, with each minute, we grow that much closer to the start of the college football season. However, until then, although stadiums are empty, we do know that there's definitely a lot of things to talk about in the world of college football. And like I said in the intro, I consider it my duty, my calling, and my responsibility. always let you guys know what's happening, what's up. Now, on tonight's show, we're going to be talking several topics. We're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. We're going to talk about Nick Saban and how much power is too much power for a coach. And also, in addition to that, we'll also talk about some of the latest happenings currently going on in the world of college sports. Now, of course, like I said, Uh, On our show today, we're going to be talking specifically, first off, about Michigan. Now, of course, Michigan found itself in a situation where was it a first down? Was it short of a first down? Of course, that is a story that will probably go on until the next Harbaugh, Meyer. However, until then, we do know that Michigan, of course, had to say bye to uh, a very, very talented senior class. And hello to a very talented 2017 recruiting class. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, some of those prominent players. In addition to that, we're going to talk about some of those players that are right now auditioning for our opportunity uh, to finally get paid to play. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get the Michigan man, Mike Fitzgerald. He covers the Michigan Wolverines on the line to find out what's happening and what's up in Ann Arbor, because we know that there's never, ever a bored moment. Let's go ahead and get him on the line. Welcome to the show. Hello, Anthony. Hey, it's great to Absolutely. be with you. How are you? 
Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that we have 193 days until Florida versus Michigan. <laughs> However, we also do know that there will not be not one boring moment in Ann Arbor. And, of course, we do know that, of course, the summer is always Harbaugh's. We know that he always finds himself making headlines, and it's already started from his bouts with Pete Feinbaum to uh, his uh, cameos uh, with the answer in uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, so let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So uh, what are some of the interesting stories that you're looking to watch unfold this summer? Because, I mean, I don't know how Harbaugh could top the first two summers, but we do know that he always is full of surprises. Well, Anthony, he is definitely full of surprises. We don't know what he has up his sleeve for this summer. I'm sure that uh, he likes to surprise folks, push the envelope, uh, surprise, surprise, as we've seen in the last two years. I think we're all focused on what's going to happen in the spring up here, but um, he, I'm sure, is going to uh, make some news this summer. There hasn't been a lot said about his schedule, what he has planned this summer, so um I think it's going to be a surprise for even us here in the Ann Arbor area. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that uh, this senior class, as well as uh, a couple of juniors, uh, Taco Charlton and Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers, probably may go down in history as one of the most talented senior classes in a very long time. However, I mean, one of the things that I found quite amazing is, you know, we oftentimes are able to determine the talent of a team based off of the number of players who get invited to the NFL Combine. Now, of course, overall, we have a record number of 330 invitees to the Combine. However, it wasn't Alabama. It wasn't the SEC. It wasn't Clemson. It was Michigan who actually led by a long shot in the number of players who were invited to the Combine, 14 players. What do you think about Mm -hmm. that? Well, it's amazing to me. We all knew we had a talented senior class, 14 invitees. I guess the thing that I think about is we had those 14 NFL caliber players and we still fell short three times. That's what comes to my mind. But it also makes a lot of us give credit to where credit's due and that Brady Hoke had a, his, you know, a rough exit here, a rough four years, but the knock on him was developing players. He sure recruited a bunch of good football players. Absolutely. We can definitely say that he definitely did recruit good players, but Jim Harbaugh definitely has done a remarkable job in developing players. However, of course, we do know that uh, Michigan, of course, now seems to find this place quite comfortably in the top five in the recruiting class, yet again for a second consecutive year. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of these guys that are coming in. Who do you have your eyes on? I know particularly me, I'm looking at the wide receivers. Who do you see specifically? Let's talk about offense. Where do you see them? Uh, who do you see the next uh, promising stars being possible? Well, you know, everyone from around here that watches Michigan football, a lot of the recruiting analysts that follow it really closely see the high school guys, think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to step right in and uh, be an impact player. You also hear a lot about Nico Collins. Brad Hawkins is the one guy who a lot of recruiting analysts, uh, especially Steve Lorenz at 24-7 Sports, they think he's a very, very underrated player and might this year at least jump ahead of some of those other younger guys in the rotation. So the receiving position is, uh, I think, going to be the most impactful uh, of any position group this year. 
Absolutely. Of course, I mean, when you really think about it, I think what ultimately set uh, Michigan apart is you see that they are pretty much focused a lot of their attention toward the trenches. Now, of course, we do know that the playmakers, the wide receivers, oftentimes are going to find themselves garnering most of the headlines. But when you look in the trenches, you look at the commitment that Jim Harbaugh has made to try to replenish both the offensive and the defensive line. I mean, there's very few rivals when it comes to talent. No, absolutely not. I mean, he he has to rebuild that offensive line, build the depth in that offensive line. And, yes, uh, that is, it, that's been a question mark for a long time here is that offensive line. It was a veteran group last year. Um, as far as freshmen coming in, you might even see some of them uh, be impactful, get playing time. Cesar Ruiz uh, from um, IMG Academy is the one guy that people talk about getting action right away, either at a guard spot. If Mason Cole moves over from center, which I don't think he wants to do, uh, they can stick Ruiz in there. Mason Cole can play guard. He can play tackle. Um, That is the question this year, watching some of these young freshmen come in. Who is going to be ready in just a very short period of time to compete for playing time? Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Mike Fitzgerald. He covers the Michigan Wolverines. Now, of course, we do know that offense sells tickets. But one of the things that's been the calling card since Jim Harbaugh got in Ann Arbor has been the dominance of the defense. And I mean, we saw Orlandis get, we saw Gary do big things in his freshman year, the largest number one I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but tell us a little bit about this other guy. This, of course, you know, the first he was initially committed to Michigan, talking about Mr. Solomon. And of course, you know, there was a little snafu uh, in regards to getting his name wrong and an invitation. But this guy decided to come back to Ann Arbor. And you look at pairing him with Gary, and I don't know, man, it looks quite scary. Well, and it looks like he's going to get playing time right away. Jim Harbaugh has said he, he's ready to go. Of course, uh, he said that in February. What will happen when he gets here in August? Everyone that's seen this kid play say he, he's ready. It might take him a while. He'll, he'll be in the rotation, but he is a dominant player and just imagining what he does with Rashawn Gary and some of that other returning depth uh, on that defensive line is uh, exciting for all of us. Absolutely. Now, of course, I believe in my own opinion, last year, of course, Taco Carlton came on strong near the end of the season, finally got his just due respectability. We'll likely hear his name probably called as the first Michigan Wolverine in the first round. However, we do know that the other All-Americans, Jordan Lewis and Jabril Peppers, I mean, these guys look very hard to replace. Who do you see uh, standing in their season and replacing those two uh, dominant secondary men? I mean, there may be another Jordan Lewis, but I seriously doubt that we'll ever see another Jabril Peppers. No, hard to imagine. I mean, you talk about a Swiss Army knife. uh, You never knew where he was going to line up on the field, but he was just such a great weapon. Uh, that is what's going to fa- – who's going to replace those guys? That is the uh, thing that makes this spring very different from the last few where we already we already knew who was going to line up in uh, at least the starting 11. This year at the corners, it's a battle uh, with some redshirt freshmen and long, and uh, we've got the uh, some of the young guys coming in. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has already said uh, the freshmen that are coming in, some of these corners, they're going to get their chance. So, I mean – we don't know. That's what's so exciting about this spring. It's going to be a wide-open battle in that secondary. Um, 
at linebacker, in, uh, at the corners, strong safety, free safety. And for the first time in a long time, I have no idea what we're going to see uh, coming out of camp. Absolutely. Of course, we do know we'll probably preview that during our preview show like we normally do uh, during as we grow closer to the season. However, one of the things I definitely did want to try to touch base with you in regards is uh, in regards to uh, – dang, I just had a brain fart. Uh, but I wanted to ask specifically in regards to uh, – dang, I just went blank. Uh, but in regards to um, – give me five seconds. Mr. Fine, Mr. Feinbaum? There we go. There we go. We can, there's so many topics in my head on my paper. I'm trying to make sure I cover all of this. <laughs> but the ongoing, uh, the ongoing battle between uh, Paul Feinbaum, excuse me, Pete Feinbaum, and uh, Jim Harbaugh. Right. Do you think this is this the beginning? Because that seems as if you know uh, Jim Harbaugh has definitely uh, always had uh, his uh, war of words with a uh, radio host at the time when he initially took the job with Colin Cowherd. And now we see mm-hmm. that him and Paul Feinbaum are going back at it again. Yeah, the whole uh, Feinbaum thing, Pete Feinbaum, um, I don't get it. I don't think a lot of us get it up here. We know that is an SEC-centric uh, show. Uh, but he focuses a lot on what Jim Harbaugh is doing. And I think a lot of the time Jim's responses come as a result of what Feinbaum is saying. Jim doesn't really say too much. I don't know that Jim really cares what Feinbaum says. But his shows, a lot of his shows, focus on Jim Harbaugh. And uh, last week he had John U. Bacon, the noted author, um, uh, on with him on his show. And he was well-behaved with John U. Bacon, who really knows his Michigan football. But, I mean, he is just, um, he doesn't like uh, what Jim Harbaugh is doing. He thinks he's pushing the line. He thinks it's cheating uh, you know, bringing in coaches that have sons that are five stars or four stars. Um, but it's interesting, last week after he uh, had John U. Bacon on and after he went after Jim Harbaugh, uh, his his first his next show that day was two hours of nonstop people calling in SEC country about Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. and Michigan football. So, um, you know, we I think Feinbaum gets a lot of national publicity when he goes after Harbaugh and it's good for him, and Jim Harbaugh doesn't mind a little scrap now and now and again with him either. Absolutely. Of course, you know, one of the things, that story definitely did garner a lot of attention, of course. Uh, what I'm talking about is when uh, initially uh, Johnson Sr. Uh, Johnson mm-hmm. Sr. was actually going to uh, join the Michigan coaching staff. However, what was politely overlooked is the fact of his wealth of experience. He was a former offensive coordinator, also had experience in the NFL, and, of course, it seems as if he decided to uh, take his talents to I call Harbaugh West. He, of course, took the job with Willie Taggart in Oregon. Uh, however, we do know that this is not something that's new. We've, we've seen it happen in college basketball. I, I emphasis remember uh, with uh, DeJon Wagner, with John Calipari, and also, of course, with, uh, Man- with uh, Manning mm-hmm. in uh, Kansas. So it's not new. It's just how things go. Uh, but one of the questions I it definitely is. remember, this is what I was going to ask you about. One of the things that I think is so amazing about Jim Harbaugh is his ability to think outside of the box. And I think that's one of the things, for me anyway, is what would be a, a, such a tremendous draw. I mean, he's taking the kids to Rome. I mean, taking them mm-hmm. all over the place. At one point it was about that was just a basketball thing. But, I mean, it seems as if he is, his commitment to thinking outside of the box is not only going to provide a wonderful opportunity for these young men to get – 
a wonderful education, but also to get an experience that is probably unique to anything that you're going to find anywhere else in the country. No, I have to agree. And uh, you, you listen to what the players are saying this year. A lot of these kids, have, uh, um, they have never been outside of the country. They haven't been to Canada. Now they're headed to Rome. And, uh, you know, Coach Harbaugh is putting together an educational experience. I know a lot of people listening might right now are saying, oh, sure, yeah, educational experience. But are you kidding me? You're getting to go over to Rome. And he's got a lot of things lined up um, for the guys to do that are not football related because he wants to take advantage of that. And, and you know, he hit it, he hit it right on the, the head too. He said, um, playing football uh, is, is what they're there for and the academics. But when you go to a place like Rome, full of that history uh, and the Catholic church, uh, it is a learning experience. These guys are really looking forward to the off field activities. Next year, they're talking about going to Israel. I know a lot of people are saying, are you kidding me? Um, a lot of us up here are saying, let's see what the NCAA does about that, because I'm sure a lot of the guys in the uh, smoke-filled room are saying, you're kidding me. Uh, we stopped him from uh, satellite camps. We stopped him from spring break football, and now he's headed to Rome. So it's it's actually, in that regard, funny, but he's serious about it, and he, he has some more ideas and uh, what he sees as an extension of their academic studies, going to these Studies abroad. Other students do it, like you said. No one complains, so why not? Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Mike Fitzgerald. We have 193 days until Michigan, Florida. I want to thank <laughs> you for coming on to the show, and I definitely want to have you on throughout the off season, even though it's never off season in college football. And I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Anthony. Anytime. Now, of course, we do know that we'll have 193 days where. Michigan fans and that other team will debate if it's a first, if it was, in fact, a first down or not. Uh, nevertheless, we do know that one of the things that I found quite compelling, quite interesting, and something that I definitely want to talk to you guys about is, for me anyway, I, I try to make a conscious effort to make you guys think, to think outside the box, to look at the article and think deeper. And so one of the things I found myself talking about and thinking about today was I was thinking about how the power and the influence of coaching and how at one point it was just that power was limited to what took place in the gridiron. However, we do know now <clears throat> when you consider the considerable amount of influence in regards to the salaries that these coaches command, also to the amount of <clears throat> financial commitments that not only the universities but the states make to these particular football programs, it makes you realize that that power has expanded significantly. And no more did you see that's more relevant than what took place a few weeks, a week ago, when Nick Saban, of course, one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, um, a high school coach in Louisiana criticized him. A high school coach in Louisiana said that Alabama was barred from recruiting his players. 72 hours after that radio interview, that coach was fired. And, of course, you know, oftentimes when we look at this story, people just shrug it off and say, ah, there goes the power of saving. But for me, it made me trigger an alarm. It made me trigger a amount of significant concern in regards to how much influence does the coach have, not only over his program, but over just everything. I mean, to think that Nick Saban, who's just supposed to be a football coach, influence is so significant 
that the high school decided to fire the coach? I mean, that's tremendously concerning. I mean, of course, we do know that, of course, football is king in the South, and, of course, we see that the the influence of football has continued to grow and expand with each college football playoff, with each network signing a contract with the conference. But just to think about what type of signal that that's sending to not only to players but also to people who are non-players. And it immediately made me think about what took place in Baylor. Now, of course, I do know that these situations are definitely not parallel, not at all. But just think about the impact and the influence that Art Briles had on the Baylor program, where he was able, just for the sake of winning, just for the sake of a football game. Now, of course, I do know that I share a passion for football, just like my listeners do, but just for a football game, people's lives were put at risk. People's lives was put in danger. There was victims piling up one through the other, but just for the sake of a football game. A coach was able to hold such significant weight and power just for a win that character, legality, and just pure human decency were compromised in the long run. Now, of course, that's not what took place in Alabama with Nick Saban. And, you know, you may say that Nick Saban may have had nothing to do. During that same week, another group of coaches in Louisiana considered barring Coach Ed Orgeron at LSU. Do we hear anything about those coaches being fired? Do we hear any rustlings about anything of that nature? In fact, as a byproduct of those coaches threatening to boycott Coach O, Coach O welcomed a few of those coaches into the LSU program and actually promoted some to positions on his staff. Just think, that's what difference in the considerable amount of influence that Nick Saban, name alone, carried in Louisiana compared to a coach who actually coaches in the state of Louisiana. And I know you may say, Denmark, you are looking too deep into a particular situation, but just think about it. Just think about how we've seen incidents take place where we've seen players get misdemeanors and, of course, get charged with gun possession, get charged with possession of marijuana. And in some instances where other individuals who do not have the talent, the size, the acumen to play athletics may have actually gone to jail, may have actually gotten probation because of these young men being blessed with athletic talent and because of the considerable amount of influence that the head football coach carries in that town, in that city, in that state, in that region, in the country, you see that things are treated significantly different. And that's just something that I found to be quite compelling, a little bit disturbing, and also something that I want to see continue to watch. Because we do know that, you know, you have to be careful of what you say. And we do know that, of course, Ed Orgeron at LSU definitely does not carry as much in his own state 
said Nick Saban, who, of course, has won five of the seven national championships. But again, like I said, it makes you ask the question, how much power is too much power for a head coach? But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, as usual, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, moving on to some other topics that I definitely want to cover today is we do know that uh, that the Bravado recently released its Heisman odds. Now, of course, we do know for most fans of college football, avid fans of college football like myself, we find ourselves paying close attention to it, disregarding the fact that at the – at the conclusion of the season, the chances are that the person who finds himself as being a likely favorite for the Heisman may not even be a finalist for a Heisman. And so, of course, this year's favorite at this particular point for the Heisman is not the reigning Heisman winner. It is Baker Mayfield. And for me, I paused. I rolled my eyes. But I know my listeners at some point have said that I may hold some type of disdain or hate toward the Oklahoma football program, but that is no the case at all. I, for one, always find myself looking at the numbers. And, of course, no one will deny, no one will contest that Baker Mayfield definitely did have a tremendous season last year, and he definitely had a tremendous season the year before. He also definitely had a great season during his walk-on campaign at Texas Tech. However, Comma, dash, however. The success that Baker Mayfield experienced during his time in Oklahoma, he had a record-breaking back at Samaj P. Ryan. Congratulations on the proposal. He had another future NFL talent at running back in Joe Mixon. He had um, a record-breaking receiver in Shepard, who, of course, is now getting paid to play in the New York Giants. And, of course, then he had D.D. Westbrook, who won the Blitton call for being the best wide receiver in the country. That's a lot of talent to not no longer be in Norman, for people to still for some reason mistakenly presume that this guy is supposed to be the highest favorite. Now, of course, we do know that you have an entire, entire season to prove or to justify yourself being mentioned as a Heisman favorite. However, we do know how things went with Fournette last year. He was not a Heisman finalist. And, of course, the guy who ultimately ended up winning the Heisman last year was a 61 who was at 60-1 at the start of the season, and then, of course, was Lamar Jackson for Louisville. Which, of course, brings out another point. Rarely do we have Heisman winners return back to school, because most of the times these guys find themselves reaching the peak of excellence in regards to attaining their Heisman in either their junior or their senior year, or in the case of Johnny Manziel in their red shirt sophomore years. But the fact that Lamar Jackson is not a favorite for a Heisman is just, for me, just downright absolutely ridiculous. Lamar Jackson, of course, had record-breaking numbers in his Heisman campaign last season. And, of course, yes, they do lose a couple of players along playmakers at wide receiver and sample, and uh, another gentleman who I can't seem to remember right now. But 
I say to myself, I look at Lamar Jackson, I see the dynamic numbers he made, I look at the coach who's going to be leading him in Bobby Petrino, I consider the significant amount of strides that Lamar Jackson made going from his first time as a starter to his second time, second year as a starter, and I can only say to myself and only presume to myself that I expect this, uh, this progression to continue to send, ascend upward. And then you combine it with the fact that there's no Deshaun Watson, there's no Dwayne Gallman, there's no Mike Williams, and all he really has to do is play Florida State, which he blew out by 62 points last season. And I say to myself, how on earth is Lamar Jackson not a favorite for the Heisman? However, at the same breath and the same honor, I have to be honest with myself. I have to say to myself, it's the reason why Lamar Jackson not considered to be a Heisman favorite because it's Louisville. There's a reason why Lamar Jackson is not considered to be a Heisman favorite at this particular point in the preseason, offseason. It's because no one just expects him to put up those numbers. Or is the reason why he's not a Heisman favorite right now is because he struggled against LSU. And after starting so strong, so dominant, that he kind of ascended into mediocrity and ascended to downright being god-awful in the game against LSU. So maybe there's a justifiable and reasonable expectation for why people considered and people considered that Lamar Jackson just may not be a Heisman favorite. Is it is it because Louisville cheated in the Wakey League scandal and nobody expects him to be able to duplicate the excellence that they exhibited on the field last season? Is it because maybe they have film on Lamar Jackson now and people who successfully schemed against him are going to be able to utilize the tape that they saw against LSU, utilize the tape that they saw against other prior opponents that he struggled with, Virginia. Is that the reason why he's not the highest in favorite right now? Well, nevertheless, like I said, we have 193 days until we're able to determine who's the highest in favorite, who's the highest in dark horse. But just to consider the fact that Lamar Jackson doesn't even start the season as a highest in favorite, I don't know yet. I still consider it to be ridiculous. However, one of the things that I've been watching quite closely is I was watching quite closely to see how Lamar Jackson was going to be able to respond to the limelight. We saw that Johnny Manziel in his return to the football field after winning the Heisman, Johnny Manziel became Johnny Football. Johnny Football became a story not only followed by college football enthusiasts, but also a story that was followed by TMZ, and we also know how that story ended. So when we saw Lamar Jackson after winning his Heisman, posing for pictures with Johnny Manziel, I'm more than sure that a lot of college football fans gasped and fear, concerned that, oh, no, is Lamar Jackson headed down that same path. However, thus far in this offseason, although there have been gun shootings at Louisville, although there have been terminations and firings of assistant coaches who participated in WikiLeaks, thus far this offseason, we haven't heard anything from Lamar Jackson. And I, for one, am gladly relieved. I wanted to do to the fact that just because he plays in the ACC, he happens to play in a conference where he finds himself not only having to be second fiddle to Clemson, who won the national championship, but also being second fiddle to Florida State, the same team that they beat by 62, who finds himself as being everybody's darling to be able to contend for a national championship. But 
nevertheless, one of the things I think we can earnestly say is I'm more than sure that Bobby Petrino likes it just the way it is. Because last season, nobody was talking about Louisville. We knew about the talented athlete who was posing as a quarterback. We knew about his dynamic performance in the bowl game against Texas A&M when he rushed for over 200 yards and passed for over 200 yards. But yet, nevertheless, we found ourselves dismissing him and considering him to be an afterthought, a talent nonetheless, but an afterthought with determining who the best player in the country was. But it's just quite eerie to think that when we compare how Johnny Manziel started his season after winning the Heisman, he was a celebrity. I just wonder how will Lamar Jackson be viewed in the 2017 college football season? Already draft pundits already find themselves completely dismissing him, completely forgetting that this guy was a dynamic player, not just a dynamic athlete, but also a quarterback who made tremendous strides in just his second full year as a quarterback, or really first full year as a quarterback. You see pundits sit here and mention talented quarterbacks. You see them respectively mention Rosen from UCLA. You see them mention Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. You see them even mention the young man from Wyoming. However, when everybody finds themselves talking about the next group of talented quarterbacks, for some reason, the guy who won the Heisman, the guy who wowed us all with leaps and talented play after another, finds himself as an afterthought. Now, of course, we do know that there's 193 days until kickoff, and I'm more than sure that things and fortunes can possibly change. But I remain hopeful that this particular point in this offseason, when we see athletes find themselves getting arrested for stupid stuff, when we find coaches getting fired for stupid stuff, that we continue to pray and hope that Lamar Jackson finds himself avoiding the news, avoiding the headlines like he does avoiding tackles. But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, of course, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is one of the true signs of when you know your program has finally arrived to being an elite program, and this is what I really wanted to talk to Mike about, is you find yourself having to deal with the issue of transfers. As, of course, tonight, talented, former De La Salle, tight end, Mike Asiata, announced that he's going to be transferring from Michigan. This guy was could have gone to any program in the country, to the litter came down to Michigan and Alabama. He chose Michigan. However, either one due to the lack of playing time or due to the fact that he finds himself missing home, which, of course, is nearly a coast away, you say to yourself, this is the true sign of your program making that transition to being an elite program. We see this happen at the elite programs all the time. We saw this happen with Alabama with Blake Barnett, five-star, elite 11, all world this, all world that, the next golden boy, the California surf kid who transferred from Alabama and went to Arizona State. We saw this happen also at Alabama when talented, talented five-star cornerback Sheffield got lost in the shuffle, found himself buried in the depth chart, transferred to a community college, and transferred to Ohio State. 
And, of course, we see this now happening with the reigning national champion, of course, in Clemson, as their defensive tackle, who played a key role this past season, he transferred Pagano, he, Pompano, excuse me. He, tra- he graduated early, which is awesome, but he uh, was seeking his transfer. He announced a, a final six that included teams like Oregon, included teams on the West Coast. These are the signs of your program finally making that tough transition to being a league contender. Oftentimes, these programs are faced with tough decisions, faced with tough decisions when it comes to numbers. We saw that when Clemson recruits, as we had with one of our past shows, check it out on Stitcher, iTunes, or on my website, Countdown to Kickoff, Dabo Sweeney recruits with the spaces that he has available. Nick Saban recruits, 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 recruits. He may have 14 slots available. He's going to recruit 25, expecting that some guys aren't going to qualify, presuming that some are going to gray shirt, and presuming that maybe some would just love it so much to go to set out to walk on. Suresh Parks. And, of course, we see now Michigan is having to face this tough problem in regards to trying to figure out how to deal with this numbers. But you know what? At the end of the day, I compare this situation to taxes. Unfortunately or fortunately, as you ascend up the socioeconomic ladder, the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. And you may complain about the tax bracket that you're in. You may complain about the number, the amount that you have to pay each year. But nevertheless, you definitely do not complain about making that amount of money and finding yourself in a position to be able to provide not just for yourself but also for your family. That's quite similar to how it is when you find yourself successfully climbing up the ladder of being an elite program. Yes, you want to have everybody at your program, but nevertheless, through the numbers, through the attrition, you cannot take everybody. Some people will find themselves falling by the wayside. However, you remain steadfast in your goal to try to contend for a championship, and you know that these young men will be able to find other opportunities to play football at the level or the amount of playing time that they wish. So that's how it goes. Taxes, recruiting, I just put it together. Nevertheless, as I bring the show to a close, I want to thank Mike, who covers the Michigan State Wolverines for coming on, Michigan Wolverines for coming on to the show. Also want to ask you guys to remember to share the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and share with your friends. Remember that life gives you an opportunity to take a time out from life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing you out. I want to thank you guys for taking a break with me. And remember, 193 days until kickoff. Stay tuned to sports. I know I will. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. 
And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at eatdrinksleepsports.com. Until next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.